0: Well, will you take your Bible and open it up with me to 1 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to start there, then we're going to go back, and then we're going to go forward. If Samuel were to give, we looked at Hannah this morning and the birth of Samuel. And now tonight we're going to look at the life of Samuel. And if Samuel gave his testimony, what he would tell us about a life well lived. I developed a course uh, that uh, I uh, have taught around the world on uh, spiritual leadership and on finishing well. And in studying the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of leaders in the Bible, only about 20% of them finish well. Of the other 80%, some of them finished so-so, but most of them finished poorly. They blew it before the end. But Samuel is a life that lives well and finishes well. In 1 Samuel 12, Samuel is giving his farewell address. Now, this isn't mean that we're not going to see him anymore, but the people have asked for a king and now they have a king. And so Samuel is saying farewell as being the judge and the spiritual leader of Israel. And he says to them in verse two, he says, and now behold, the king walks before you. I am old and gray and behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my youth until this day. Young man, when God raised him up to be the prophet, to be the priest, to be the spiritual leader, the judge of Israel. And he says, now I'm old and I'm gray. And he looks at the people and he says, have I taken anything from you? Have I used my position to take anyone's donkey? Have I taken a bribe to turn a blind eye to justice? And the people attest to Samuel, you have not. Samuel had lived and led the people with integrity. He had served the Lord with faithfulness and with fearlessness, from a young man to the end of his life. He's a man that we need to learn from. And if Samuel were to talk to us about what it means to live a life well lived, I think there are three things that he would tell us. First of all, he would tell us that if you want to live life well, listen to God early and listen to him often. In First Samuel 3, you have uh, the, the, uh, the, the account of God speaking to Samuel, but it starts off with an ominous note. Look at verse 1. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in there, that day. There were, was no frequent vision. The tragedy of the silence of God. It wasn't that God didn't want to speak. It was that people would not listen to him. Do you remember Jesus talked about those who have ears but do not hear? That describes the people in the days of the judges When you have a generation that did not know the Lord nor his mighty works, and every man was doing what was right in his own eyes, and there was no inclination to hear from the Lord, and so the word of the Lord is rare. I want you to know there are places, there are churches where the word of God is rare. Did you see uh, last week uh, the, the, the United Church of Christ? They're neither of Christ nor a church in the biblical sense, but they had gathered to sing and to celebrate around a Planned Parenthood abortion meal. I uh, did uh, our, our business school at California Baptist University, uh, was doing a leadership conference and they had people from all over. And, uh, and they asked me to come in and do a section on spiritual leadership. And so I, I did it on spiritual leadership and of course always link spiritual leadership to the Great Commission, both in its global implications and local applications that we're to share the gospel and make people disciples of Jesus by them coming to know him and that there's no other way. And when I was through, there were two men from two liberal uh, uh, churches that came up to me and said, we don't preach that. We don't believe that. I said, You don't believe what? That Jesus is the only way. We believe everybody's find, find their own way to God. I will show. There are places where the Word of God is rare. And so it was when. When Samuel is just a young lad serving in the temple before Eli as his mother has dedicated him. And then in verses 2 through 18, you have uh, the account of God speaking to Samuel as a child and revealing his purpose for his life. You know the story. The Lord calls him, Samuel, Samuel. And and Samuel wakes up and looks around. Nobody's there. And he thought, well, Eli must be calling me. And he runs to Eli and he says, what do you want? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Samuel goes back to bed and the Lord calls again, Samuel, Samuel. And he gets up, looks around. Nobody's there. And he goes uh, to Eli again. And Eli perceived that the Lord was speaking to Samuel. The word of God is rare. God hadn't been speaking to Eli, but he perceived that God was speaking to Samuel. And he said, go back to bed, and if you hear again, you say, speak, Lord. And so Samuel goes back into bed, and the Lord speaks, and he says, Samuel Samuel. Look at verse 10. And the Lord came and stood calling at that other times. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it. Will tingle, and he revealed the removal of Eli's house and 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 the establishment of Samuel as a, a, the leader. I want you to know it is important that you have your children and your young people in a place to hear God speak. I want you to know it was at fourteen that God spoke clearly. To my life about its purpose. I am so grateful for the spiritual environment that my mother raised us in. I'm so thankful that she had us in church and under the preaching of gospel and that she sent us to camps, had us involved in all kinds of activities, and God spoke clearly. And so it was to Samuel as a child. God speaks to him and reveals his purpose. And then you come to the end of this chapter in verses 19 through 21, and God speaks to to Samuel as an adult. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of God. Now listen to verse 21. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And so Samuel's, Life is booked in. Book by God speaking to his life and through his life. And so Samuel says, You want a life well lived? Listen to God early and often through life. Can I just give you five insights? On listening to God number one, God wants to speak to you. Our God is a communicating God. Francis Schafer wrote a book he says he's there and he is not silent. God is a communicator He wants us to know him He reveals himself to us. He wants us to know His will and his purpose for our lives. He wants us to know how to walk before him in a way that it brings uh, pleasure to him and the abundance of life. God wants to speak to us. Number two, sometimes we don't listen too well. (laughs) Sometimes we're like Samuel and we wonder what God's saying or who it is that's saying. Let me ask you this. Have you ever opened up your Bible and did your morning devotion and your mind was uh, distracted and a thousand miles away and you read through that portion and you shut it and ten minutes later you couldn't remember what you read? Sometimes we have difficulty in hearing. We need to learn from Samuel number three and cultivate a listening ear. Of having a deep desire that God would speak to our lives. Number four, God always speaks through his word. If you want to hear from God, Don't seek visions and dreams. Open up the book. This book is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It just dissects our lives. It speaks to everything and every need that we have. God speaks through his word. And so when you come to the word, you open it up and you begin to read and you you want to pray, God, speak to my heart. I'm paying attention to what you have to say to my life. And then the fifth thing that I would say to you about listening to God, we need to listen to God at every age and stage of our lives. Parents, you need to read the Bible to your little children. Young people, you need to spend much time in the Word of God so that you will not be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Young adults, you need it so that you'll be wise and godly fathers and mothers. Middle-aged, Men, you need it so you don't go crazy. All of us need the Word of God in our life. We need God to speak to us. Don't let the Word of God be rare in your life. The second thing that Samuel would tell us if... uh, he were giving his testimony and talking to us about a life well lived, he would tell us that sometimes the will of God isn't comfortable, but just do it. In 1 Samuel 8, the people of Israel come to Samuel and say we want to be like the other nations We want a king. And and the scripture says that the saying greatly displeased Samuel. I mean, he's the spiritual leader, he's the prophet, the judge, the priest that God has brought at this critical time in the history of Israel. And he knows that God is working through him. And so he is displeased when they would come and they would say, give us a king. But then as Samuel prays, God says to Samuel, give the people what they want. And here's what he says. He says, they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. And so God says, let them have a king. And and the coming of the king Saul is going to be a judgment upon them. It's uncomfortable for Samuel to step aside. And here's this man that's unproven, Saul, who becomes king. And when Saul becomes king, Samuel has the uncomfortable task over and over of having to rebuke Saul and telling the kingdom would be taken away from him. When Saul was Presumptuous, and after they had won, God had given them a battle—the battle over the Philistines. Instead of waiting for Samuel to get there, the priest Saul saw the people start to scatter. He said, "Well, I, I better do something," and he took it upon himself to offer the burnt offering before the Lord in direct disobedience to the Word of God. And when Samuel gets there and he confronts him and Saul says, well, everybody was scattering. I had to do something. And Samuel has to confront him of disobeying God and says, the kingdom will be taken away from you. And then in chapter 15, when God gave Saul Uh, the the victory over uh, the Philistines again and against King Agog. and, and, And God said that I'll give you the victory, but everything belongs to me. Everything is to be devoted to me. The cattle, the herds, everything is to be given as an offering. The spoils are to be given for what will be the building of the temple. And 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 so Samuel comes, and he says, "Saul, have you done everything that God told you to do?" And 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 Saul said, "I do. I did." And Samuel says, "What then is the bleeding of the sheep?" And Saul said, "Well, well, you know, uh, I, 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 I decided." that I'd keep some of the best of the spoils. And we'd offer them later to God. And I kept Agog alive instead of killing him. And Samuel has to rebuke him. I want you to know it's never comfortable when you have to rebuke someone, is it? But Samuel said, "'Has the Lord as great delight "'in burnt offerings and sacrifices "'as in obeying the voice of the Lord? "'Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, "'and to listen than the fat of rams, "'for rebellion is as the sin of divination, "'and presumptuous is an iniquity of idolatry.'" Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Wasn't comfortable doing God's will. But Samuel says, just do it. Do what God tells you to do. Can I just give you four insights? about the will of God? The will of God is about the purpose of God and not our preferences. It's not about our comfort. It's not about doing the things that we like to do. It is about doing the will of God. I was in Southern California, teaching, making more money than I've ever made in my life. I only had to work nine months a year, or really eight months a year to do that. Janet became a California girl. I mean, life was easy. Life was nice. And then God did the most unusual thing. He moved in our hearts, or he moved in my heart. We go to Clarksdale, Mississippi, to the heart of the Delta, where 80% of the people are lost, unchurched. Live without the gospel. And I told Janet that we were going to Clarksdale. She thought I'd lost my ever-loving mind. She said, are you crazy? (laughs) Doesn't make sense. It's not about what we want. It's about what he says, Period not always comfortable to do what he says. Billy Sunday had a lady come to him one day and say, do you know what's wrong with your preaching? He said, no, but I'm sure you'll tell me. And she said, well, you rub the uh, fur of the cat the wrong way. And he said, honey, the old cat's going to hell. Turn it around. I'll be rubbing it right. I want you to know if you're going away from the will of God, the word of God will rub the wrong way on you. It's not about your preference. It's about his purpose too. God's will is concerned with the big picture and not just the immediate. Saul is given as king as Judgment. Samuel says, he's gonna take your sons and your daughters and make them serve him. He'll take the best of your crop and make it his. He's gonna take from you and he becomes this corrupt leader. But God has a bigger plan. a plan we're gonna see in just a moment and that is for David to become king of Israel. And God will make a covenant with David And that covenant is that the throne of David will endure forever because there is a coming son of David, the Lord Jesus, who will be King of kings and Lord of lords. And so, God wasn't just looking at the immediate moment, something much, much bigger. Three, God's will is based on his all-knowing wisdom. How many of you believe God knows everything? He knows the beginning from the end. He knows not only where we are, but what needs to happen to get us to where he wants us to be. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't have to back up and try plan B. He knows what he's doing. You can trust him. And then four, you do the will of God by faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge that he's Lord, and he will make your path straight. He'll direct you. And so Samuel would say, you want to live a life well-lived? Listen to God early and often. And even though the will of God is sometimes uncomfortable, just do it. And three, he would tell us that God's choices are always right. You come to 1 Samuel 16. And Samuel is sent to anoint David as king to take the place of Saul. And and he comes to the house of Jesse. And uh, Jesse is invited to the sacrifice, and he's invited to bring his sons in. Look at verse Six. When they came, he looked on Elab and thought, "Surely the Lord's anointed is before me." I mean, Jesse's first son comes in—big, tall, strapping, handsome young man—and Saul said, "Man, surely this is the one." And God said, "No." And so it is that Jesse has seven of his sons come. And each time, Saul, Samuel thinks, this is the one. This is the one. And God says, no, no. And after all seven sons pass by, he says, do you have another son? He said, yeah, we have the youngest. He's out keeping the sheep. And he had called him. And David comes. The Bible said he was ruddy. That means one of two things. That means that he either had red hair or that his skin was red from exposure to the sun. He was a redneck. One of the two. We don't know. They had beautiful eyes. And when he came, God says, this one. That's the one. Because God doesn't look as other people look. In Isaiah 59, the Lord said, your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. But as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And it is God who looks On the heart. And it's David, the least likely of Jesse's son, that God said is the man. Can I just take a few moments and urge you in praying for your pastor search committee? Because in the course of their work, they're going to come across a lot of good men. I mean, they're going to come across some guys that just look great, sound great. And God will say, that's not the man. Listen, you don't want somebody good, you want God's man. And that's why you need to intercede for them daily, you need to hedge them about in prayer. God knows his choice, and his choice is always right. That's, that's true in all of our lives, every decisions that we make. But let's just apply it to people. And let me just give you four insights about uh, uh, realizing that God's choices are right. Number one, God is looking to use people who are after his own heart. It's not the physical attributes. It is the inner attributes of the heart that is hungry to know me. God says, those that seek me will find me if they seek me with all of their heart one read for us, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. I want you to know God is looking for people who are just hungry for him and seek him. Two. Don't judge anybody by their outward looks. Have you ever just met somebody and you didn't like them? You didn't know why, you just didn't like them. I had a fellow like that in seminary, Ray Willis. And Ray came in and he had a flat top wore white socks, he was a Yankee from Illinois, and in every class he'd say, I have one question, and he'd take over the class. And I just didn't like Ray. And then the Lord arranged it where six of us, And a Dodge Duster (laughs) drove to seminary and back every day, an hour and a half each way. And I'm in the middle of the back seat, and on one side of me is Ray Willis. We're not just sitting side by side, we're sitting jaw to jaw. (laughs) I mean, and I thought, man, I can't do this, Lord. But you know what I found out? I found a guy that loved Jesus with all of his heart. I found a guy that when we graduated and all went to churches, would move to Montana and plant a church. In the winter, the snow would be up to the eve of his house. And I've often thought how poor I would be if I just judged on outward appearance and didn't know the heart of a person. Three. Don't dismiss your spiritual gifts of service. Don't say, man, I just don't count. You do. You go on in, in, in Samuel 16, and after... David is anointed as king. The Holy Spirit comes upon him and empowers and enables him. And I want you to know every believer is usable to the glory of God, not because of talents or skills that we have, but because of the Holy Spirit who lives within us when we are yielded to his filling power who enables us to do things that we could never do by ourselves. And then the fourth thing that I would say to you, is don't miss Jesus. John 1, interesting set of verses, starting in verse 10. says, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. They didn't recognize him. They were looking for the outward. And then verse 11 says, he came to his own, People, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. They rejected him. But then verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Live life well. Listen to God, often, daily. Do the will of God. I don't care how uncomfortable it might be at times. He knows what he's doing. Seek his choices for your life. Young people, you're gonna be making some of the most critical decisions in your life in the next several years. You're gonna decide where you're gonna to go to school. I want you to know that's important in this day. You better know the will of God. You're going to make decisions about who you're gonna date and ultimately who you're gonna marry and I guarantee you, you better know the will of God. You're gonna choose a vocation, what you're gonna do the rest of your life. You better know the will of God. And that applies to every one of us, wherever you are, whatever age or stage that you're in. Live life well before the Lord and before the world that other people will see Jesus in you.